and the Good Food Hour are brought to you by the Santa Rosa Original Certified Farmer's Market. KSRO Kitchen. I'm Steve Garner, along with Chef John Ash. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I noticed you have a pitcher with you besides your water. Is that because you know that today is International Pisco Sour Day? I didn't know that. <laughs> Only you keep up with things like that. Well, it, what is a Pisco Sour? Well, that's what we're going to talk about, <laughs> because on this particular day, it's always February the 4th. Every single year, we celebrated last year with... Um, with Olenka. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We had her on the show. Yeah. She's a Peruvian extract, yeah. a great chef. And she talked about all, all the different ways you could celebrate Pisco Sour and uh, Pisco Punch, of course, yes. and yeah. all the other things that go with Pisco uh, Pops, Frozen Pops. Yeah. She had a lot of uh, very cool ideas. Yeah. And did you have Pisco Sours when you were traveling anywhere? I, oh, I did. Yeah. They, it's uh, in Chile. You know, it's sort of the national drink of of chili and it uh it's it's frothy and wonderful and easy to to drink dangerous because of that because it's so delicious yeah is that the problem with it it's yeah. too delicious yeah and so when people say yeah add some pisco what is pisco it's pisco is uh it's an alcohol uh and i forget what it's distilled from is it sugarcane or not i i think it is mm -hmm. yeah I, I can't remember now. But. And usually it's mixed with vermouth or lime, yeah. lime juice or ginger yeah. ale or something and like that. And the kicker with it is that it's typically done with a little beaten egg white, you know, yes. which gives it that wonderful frothy, oh, I can have another one of these kind of uh, ideas. And if you're interested in experiencing them, there's always a couple Peruvian restaurants, a couple yeah. of them here in Sonoma yeah. County, yeah. that will be celebrating and have a robust drink mm -hmm. menu featuring pisco mm -hmm. so go out there and tell them hey i heard today's pisco sour and they'll go oh very impressive i know don't try to buy it at your local beverage store because typically it's not carried but i don't know maybe maybe it is now so maybe somebody's yeah. carrying it today we want to honor the memory of colette hatch deroma for those of you that don't know colette was really a guiding light for cheese education in Sonoma County here for the last 30 plus years. We had her on the show many times over the last mm -hmm. 30 years. And if you ever purchased cheese at Food for Thought in the early to mid mm -hmm. to late 90s or then Oliver's mm -hmm. Markets, she was the cheesemonger mm -hmm. at both of these fine retail establishments. She also taught extensively. Mm -hmm. Um, she was part of the cheese school in San Francisco. She helped found it. Yeah. She helped found that. Yeah. Uh, but she was just more than that. She was a, a glowing, opinionated, yes. <laughs> passionate, passionate yeah. advocate for great cheese yeah. for for consumers, especially. Yeah. Although yeah. she did a lot of professional teaching for cheesemakers and cheesemongers, she really was a consumer link, a liaison, yeah. I found, yeah. when I went to either of the retail establishments saying, here's what I'm looking for, Colette. Da, da, yeah. da, 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 da. She said, well, I have a few things for you. Here, this is yeah. $35 a pound. Uh -huh. I, and she would give in. She would, and here's something for $19 a pound. Yeah. Personally, 
I would choose the nineteen dollars. Yeah. Now here's a person that's mandated to increase sales. Sales. And yeah. she's, but she was first and foremost value mm-hmm. for the buck. Mm-hmm. Didn't you find mm-hmm, that too also? Mm-hmm. Or occasionally she would say, this is really good. I got something just in yesterday. I haven't put it out yet. Come back here. Yeah. I, w- I want to give you that a taste That was the this. treat always that she kept track of what you liked. And if she found something that uh, she would think you would like, you'd, you'd be the first to, to be able to try it. Wouldn't you agree with yeah, that? Yeah. And I know you have spent a lifetime in, in cheese and cheese education mm-hmm. too, John. And, but not I, like her. But but not like her. <laughs> yeah, uh, she was really devoted to that. A little bit more about about her as well. She had lots of relatives and extended family in France and the U.S. Uh, she was born in France, uh, of course, amid the turmoil of World War II. The youngest of three children, she achieved the extraordinary feat of obtaining an education, pursuing a career in hotel management in Europe, mm-hmm. and ultimately immigrating to the U.S. to pursue a career in the culinary arts. She earned a B.A. from the Lycée Hôtelier de Bourgogne, France Comte de Poligny in Jura, France. She managed several fine hotels in France, England, and Corsica, including a prestigious apprenticeship at the Michelin three-star restaurant Jeunet. In America, she made her career managing French restaurants in Connecticut. In the 1990s, she relocated to Sonoma County, where she reinvented herself as Madame Fromage. Madame de Fromage, a rule that saw her advocating for artisanal cheesemakers the world over, especially here in Mendocino, Sonoma, Mm -hmm. and Napa. Kind of the epicenter well, of cheesemaking. She, you know, well, new cheese makers are happening all the time, but she was the one who had really championed, uh, especially the new ones who hadn't had a chance to spend any time in the market and all that stuff, and she would she would help. She helped because there's yeah. one thing to be a great cheese maker, but there's the other part of the business, even more important, mm-hmm. of how do you market mm-hmm. your cheese? Mm-hmm. How do you price your cheese? How do you get it into retail mm-hmm. establishments? Because it's a tough competitive market. Well, and she was a proponent also for how to store cheese. And she would she would tell you, you know, don't wrap this in plastic, whatever you do, you know, that kind of stuff. She also worked closely with California winemakers on cheese and wine pairings, lectured at culinary institutes, and traveled to American Cheese Society and Slow Food mm-hmm. International events in the U.S., France, and Italy. Eternally committed to education, Colette served as a founding member of the Cheese School of San Francisco, Mm. helping to establish the initial curriculum. She continued her tenure there for over 10 years. She was inducted into the prestigious New World Order of the Guild de Fromagers. Anyone that ever met Colette would understand how determined she is, what a force Mm -hmm. she was to promote great cheese. She really had tremendous charisma. It was almost magnetic. And the most wonderful French accent. That she never lost. And yeah, I think actively yeah. continued to cultivate, which is, yeah. we will miss her. Yeah. And uh, at her request, no services will be held. There will be a celebration of her life event scheduled in coming weeks. Now, this is important because this was online. So they are asking those that knew and loved Colette to participate or just to be mm-hmm. notified for the event. Here's the email. J.H. Daroma. J-H-D-E-R-O-M-A, J-H-D-E-R-O-M-A at sonic.net. Just send your email to that address mm-hmm. and you will be informed when mm-hmm. the celebration of life for Colette Hatch will mm-hmm. take place. 
Okay? Uh-huh. We'll take a break. Back after this, it's the KSRO Good Food Hour with me, Steve Garner, along with Chef John Ash in the kitchen. Ground Zero at 9, Coast to Coast AM at 10. What's that sound? It's KSRO After Dark. Listen. Do healthy eating habits fit into your New Year's resolution? Then shop the Santa Rosa Certified Farmer's Market for fresh local produce. It's important to know where your food comes from, and you can meet the local farmers and ranchers who raise quality, locally grown food products for you to enjoy. At the market, you can savor a variety of delicious prepared foods. The market offers fresh, local ingredients for healthy dinners. A variety of quality meats from beef and pork to seafood, along with seasonal fruits and vegetables. Taste the local cow and goat cheese blends from Achadina Cheese Company. Purchase the wonderful baked goods, jams, spices, and pastas. Everything you need to create memorable, healthy dinners is at the Santa Rosa Original Farmer's Market. Open year-round, rain or shine, Saturdays, 8.30 till 1 p.m. at Luther Burbank Center for the Arts. The Santa Rosa Original Certified Farmer's Market, where it's always fresh, local, and fun. Agricultural Community Farmers Markets bring you fresh produce, meat, and dairy each week year-round. Saturday and Wednesday mornings, 8.30 to 1, the tradition continues at the Santa Rosa Community Farmers Market in Farmers Lane Plaza. Tim from Tole Valley Farm has lots of onions, shallots, fennel, chard, collards, Brussels sprouts, and celery. Mark from Tea and Trumpets has the best tea. Enjoy at the market or at home. Carl from Zweibel's makes the killer ginger cookies. You'll love his creativity and his super smile, too. Silver Sky Ranch outside Petaluma has fresh eggs. One of the newest farmers at the market, Cameron of Doug's Deliveries, named for his dog, has plants for your garden, hearty greens, and more. Citrus is in and super sweet and juicy. Sunny Cafe Food Truck is back with breakfast offerings. Santa Rosa Seafood Food offers the freshest fish around, as well as specialty salads, chipino, and clam chowder. Bake Shift has a wide variety of muffins made with seasonal ingredients and also has gluten-free options. Info online at ilovefarmersmarkets.org. Retired or retiring soon? How much money do you need to live comfortably? Retirement Planners of America is here for you. Would you like to have financial peace of mind? Here's how. Step 1. Find out the amount of money you'll need to retire. Step two, have a plan to get there. Step three, make sure that plan can take advantage of market gains but protect you from market losses. Discover how to do all three with a free consultation at 800-508-6108. That's 800-508-6108. All investments involve risk, including losses. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Join George Adair of Cross Country Mortgage every Wednesday from noon to 1230 for On Air with George Adair on KSRO. George helps you understand real estate and lending. Whether you're looking to purchase your first home or expanding your real estate holdings, George will help you navigate the world of home loans. George talks with community guests, covers local topics, and shows you how the larger world economy affects your bottom line each Wednesday from noon to 1230. On Air with George Adair on KSRO. KSRO, AM, FM, and online. Depend on it.
in the Chaos Auto Kitchen. I'm Steve Garner along with Chef John Ash. And of course, with travel plans, authors moving from here to there, occasionally we're able to court, well, actually we were able to court a lot more authors before COVID, mm-hmm. put a kibosh on pretty much all travel. And this is starting to open up and we've been able to have a couple authors join us live in the mm-hmm. kitchen, although it's wonderful talking with them on Skype or Zoom or phones. There's nothing quite the same as having a face-to-face conversation. No, no. And right. it worked out great that Ann Fenn, MD, happened to be in Santa Rosa last night speaking at Copperfield's Books, and she spent the night. And before her journey down south to L.A., she is joining us live in the kitchen this morning to celebrate the release of her new book, The Brain Health Kitchen, Preventing Alzheimer's Through Food. And our producer, Joe, asked me early, he said, should I call her Dr. Fenn or can I call her Annie? Everybody calls me Annie. Everybody? Yes. Okay. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. This is is your first book? This is my first book. What what a first book effort. It it is. You know, I was... uh, we all know that what what you eat is uh, a precursor to your health generally anyway. And <clears throat> these pronouncements that food is the first doctor and all of that. But I thought to myself, really, uh, is what I eat, is it going to uh, help with my movement toward uh, Alzheimer's and all of that kind of stuff? And you make such important arguments in the book for what you eat and how you eat and all of that. I found it fascinating. Yes, as well. I mean, I'm a physician, and so I was skeptical as well until I started digging into the science behind brain health nutrition. And I was astounded. how much of that was even part of your medical education? How much time, how many courses? (laughs) Well, this is it. We're devoted to culinary medicine Mm -hmm. and the effect of food on body-mind. Well, I trained in the 90s, and I can tell you that there were no nutrition courses in my medical school. There was no education whatsoever in my residency. So everything I learned about nutrition, I learned on my own when I was a practicing physician. So has it changed? It's changed tremendously. In in medical school? Yes. There are 15 medical schools in the U.S. that have culinary medicine programs. Mm. And one of my favorite things to do is to speak to medical students. Mm -hmm about brain health nutrition, because it's sort of, um, once you present the data and they can see the studies and that nutrition science has really come such a long way, you know, doctors like to see evidence before they're gonna recommend anything to their patients. And these younger doctors are very engaged and interested in the role of food and lifestyle in terms of preventing chronic illness. So once they see the data, they become very excited about, you know, sharing that information Mm -hmm. with their patients. So you you cover a lot of things that I found fascinating and made them much more understandable to me. Early on in the book, you talk about the Mediterranean diet and uh, how that was a real breakthrough for a a lot of people. But I I didn't apply it to uh, things like Alzheimer's, uh, but it has an important effect. And then you go on to talk about uh, the DASH diet. What, right. is, what is that? And that then leads to the mind. Right. Uh, so what you're getting at is the Mediterranean diet studies, uh, which uh, started in the 60s yeah. and the 70s mm-hmm. and the 80s. These are some of the best studies we have about lifestyle and how to age successfully. And they were initially looked at through the lens of longevity, like how long does a person live, and whether or not they get a heart attack or a stroke. 
so cardiovascular disease. So the original car Mediterranean diet studies showed that following this lifestyle, it's not really a diet, it's part of a way <laughs> of life, can actually reduce your risk of having a heart attack or a stroke by as much as 40 to 50%. Mm-hmm. And this was in high, high risk groups. And then what happened in the literature as it evolved, doctors started asking the question, well, we know what's good for the heart is also good for the brain. So we know the Mediterranean diet lifestyle is good for, for heart health. Can we make it more brain specific? So that's what mm-hmm. they did with the DASH mm-hmm. and the MIND diet. The MIND diet is actually a hybrid of the DASH and the Mediterranean diet. The DASH is a diet that was d- devoted to reducing hypertension, high blood pressure in people to reduce um, cardiovascular risk. And the researchers at Rush University who published the MIND diet study, the M-I-N-D diet study, mm-hmm. they're basically looking at the Mediterranean diet through the lens of brain health. How can you make this even more brain specific? And that's what they did. Mm. So what initiated your interest in specifically your marking Alzheimer's and dementia for your pursuit, your research pursuit? Well, honestly, my, my interest went way back to when I was practicing medicine. I was an obstetrician gynecologist for 20 years. For the last eight years of that, I focused primarily on menopause. So for eight years, I was sitting across the table with women going through all different stages of menopause, and talking th- to them about their symptoms. And Hashimoto's and all these types of things. Absolutely. All of those things that kind of happen, accumulate at midlife. Um, but my patients were con- most concerned about the cognitive symptoms they were having, like forgetting names or forgetting appointments or having a hard time retrieving a fact from deep in their brain or having a hard time looking at numbers on a balance sheet. And of course, they had like hot flashes and sleep disturbances as well. But did that you was ever, the first did time you ever I was say, concerned. as my physician told me, "Well, Steve, it's your age. Welcome to old age." <laughs> I mean, and laughed it off when I talked about these issues. And that's what most well, that's what of- doctors have been doing forever. And I didn't laugh it off. I, tr- I worked very hard with these women. So fast forward um, five years, and I had retired from my medical practice. I'm a lifelong lover of cooking and food. And so I decided to pursue a dream of mine, and that is to go to culinary school. So that's what I did. I went to culinary school in Mexico and Tuscany. I studied briefly at the Culinary Institute of America. And then I came back as a retired physician in my community, teaching people how to cook healthy food, you know, healthy Moroccan, (laughs) healthy Mediterranean, healthy Mexican food. Because I really felt like the root cause of most people's chronic illnesses, even in my specialty in gynecology, was because of the the problem with nutrition and lifestyle in the U.S. So in the book you talk about, um, which I found fascinating when it came out a few years ago, uh, The Blue Zones, the book The Blue Zones. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that figures into all of this, too. Yes, The Blue Zones are a wonderful model for healthy aging. Now, The Blue Zones are the five places on Earth where people tend to live to 100 or, or, or later. And these people are healthy centenarians. You know, they're dementia-free centenarians. That's a really important distinction. And so a lot of people have been looking at this, especially Dan Buettner, who is a National Geographic writer. He's written several books about this. Like, what are the commonalities in these five communities that are geographically different throughout the world? Like from Costa Rica to Sardinia, Italy, to Icaria, Japan. You know, all these places are completely and different. And Loma Linda. And Loma Linda, California. You've got, you got to talk about Loma Linda, <laughs> yeah. California. Yes. This. Go ahead. Absolutely. So one of the commonalities of the people who live in the Blue Zones is that they have a strong sense of community. They have a strong sense of purpose in life. Um, elders are valued in the community. 
And so it's not like they all go into assisted living centers somewhere. Um, they're living with the family throughout their lives. And they have a common diet. They're, it's primarily a plant-based diet. It's not like they don't have any fun. They have meat on Sundays. They have a little bit of wine, you know, some days. Um, but they're mostly eating traditional foods, mostly plants, a lot of beans and legumes, a lot of vegetables, um, things like that. Do we, do you know, have, have any data? Does the U.S. have more Alzheimer's, dementia patients, sufferers than other places in the world? Are we right near at the top, or do you know other, it's, are other it's Western good, countries? It's a good question. There are 7 million people living with Alzheimer's in the U.S., around 50 million globally. These numbers are expected to double and triple in the next 40 years. So what's happening in the U.S. with an escalation in Alzheimer's numbers is happening throughout the world. Oh. And one of the reasons is, you know, the Western diet, the American diet, sometimes called the standard American diet or SAD, you know, we've <laughs> exported that to every corner of the earth. And so even though people might be living in Europe, a lot of them are following, you know, a diet that includes processed foods and sugary drinks and, you know, the things that we know are going to be detrimental to brain health. Hmm. So well, it doesn't bode well. <laughs> no. So how, how important is sleep? Oh, sleep is incredibly important. Huh. Yeah. I mean, when I look at Alzheimer's uh -huh. prevention. And are we the most sleep-deprived nation in the world, possibly? Not exactly. No? no? But um, that's, that's a little bit more difficult to measure. Okay. Sleep is harder to study, honestly, than food and nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, but when I look at Alzheimer's prevention, and to answer your question, I got into this when my mother was diagnosed in 2015, is when I really took a deep dive into the literature and decided that there was enough information, science-based information, for me to start a cooking school. So that's when I started the Brain Health Kitchen. And this may be too personal, but did that um, give you a wake-up call about the possible genetic link between your mother and you as far as contracting this disease? Oh, absolutely. I mean, as a daughter of a, someone with Alzheimer's disease, I hear this from my, my students and all the people that I, I meet outside the world, you know, talking about Alzheimer's prevention. Everyone who has a parent with it is very concerned. However, that concern should be really put in proper perspective. Um, most Alzheimer's cases are not hereditary. Oh, okay. I did not know that. There's two types of Alzheimer's, generally speaking. There's an early onset Alzheimer's, which is very, very tragic and afflicts people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. And then there's the, you know, the type that most people have, um, which is late onset after age 60. Mm -hmm. Now that early onset type is clearly genetic, but it's only 1% of all Alzheimer's. Oh. Oh. Of the other Alzheimer's disease, only about you know 3%, maybe 5% is linked to some sort of a genetic mm. variant. So, so you comment in the book that Alzheimer's focuses on women more than men. Well, women are definitely more vulnerable to Alzheimer's. So, uh, and is there some reason for that? There are some hypotheses, uh -huh. yes. You know, of the 7 million people living with Alzheimer's in the U.S., two-thirds of them are female. And then you compound that by the fact that two-thirds of all caregivers for dementia patients are female. So it really does impact women in a, in a mm. special way. Um, one thought is sleep deprivation, like you were just mm. asking. You know, sleep deprivation um, it, during certain parts of a, a person's life can have a detrimental effect on how the brain ages and can actually cause, like, sticky proteins like amyloid, which is one of the features of Alzheimer's, to build up in the brain. And so women do go through these periods of life where they're just not sleeping very well. Is there a link between deficiency or excess estrogen? Absolutely. Estrogen we're now starting to view as neuroprotective. 
So we now we know that the more estrogen a woman has been exposed to in her life, the lower her risk of, of Alzheimer's or other types of dementia. That could be estrogen that your body makes because you went through, say, early puberty and went through like a late menopause, or it could be estrogen that you like maybe you took birth control pills for 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. That's not considered a bad thing when it comes to preventing Alzheimer's. Oh. All that estrogen actually help protect the brain from the type of damage that we see. What most people don't understand about Alzheimer's disease is that it actually begins 20 to 30 years before the first symptoms. Yeah. So I don't want to be negative about this. I'm an optimist. So I like to flip it around and think, you know, we have like, decades in our life to do the things that we know protect mm -hmm. the brain. And we also have a ton of information that's evidence-based, good studies. They're just piling up like a mountain of data to tell us that the certain foods are neuroprotective. And if we eat more of those foods, we can slash our risk of getting dementia by as much as half. Um, if we take out some foods from our diet that we know accelerate brain aging, then we're going to be so much better off. If we combined a brain-healthy diet with exercise, mm -hmm we can reduce it by 60, 70%. Hmm. That's wow. a great statistic. You, you know, in each of the chapters, which I, it was interesting how you organized that. It was really according to food groups yes. uh, uh, for this. Each, each of those chapters contains a pyramid, the healthy kitchen pyramid, sort of not unlike the Mediterranean diet pyramid of uh, several years ago. But, you know, with things at the top and things at the bottom, uh, the things at the bottom you should eat more of and the yes. ones at the top not so much. And it's interesting that at the top of that is sweets. <laughs> my favorite. Yeah, my, my favorite. Oh, we're all in agreement. Yeah. We're yeah. all in agreement. But some sweets are better than others. Yeah, yeah. I have a true. lot of recipes in the book for cookies, for cake. Uh -huh. I have an olive oil cake um, that uses just a lot less sugar uses really good extra virgin olive oil, all almond flour. So whenever I make so a sweet... So you just mentioned several of the items that can go into a sweet mm. that would reduce the risk yes. of, uh, of irritation and inflammation in yes. our systems. So I eat cookies, I eat cake. I, um, I like to cook them with whole food ingredients, natural forms of sugar, really healthy fats, what I call brain-friendly fats, like olive oil, and a lot of fiber. You yeah. know, one of the reasons that a lot of Americans are at risk for Alzheimer's is because... You know, people are getting overweight, and they eat too much sugar, and they consume too much sugar in, like, the drinks that they have. Oh, yeah. And all of that can make you prone to diabetes or oh. borderline diabetes or insulin resistance. And so whenever you consume something that's sweet, it's really best for it to be in a fiber-rich matrix. Yeah. You know, like a cookie that right. has, like, oats and nuts in it, for example. <laughs> so what about um, non-sugar <laughs> sugars? Oh, artificial, artificial sweeteners. Yeah. Don't, don't well, get us started. Go yeah. ahead. There's, yeah. a, there's a couple natural ones uh -huh. that I think are okay, although there's limited data. One is stevia. Uh -huh. The other is monk fruit sweetener. Mm. Don't, and I, don't like stevia. Yeah, I don't like stevia either. I don't like the aftertaste. <laughs> but, yeah. the, but the monk fruit is, I monk, use it. Yeah. Monk fruit, you know, is a, yeah. I've been baking with monk uh -huh. fruit sweetener, uh -huh. and I actually like it. I've been making mocktails with it or cocktails uh -huh. with it uh -huh. as well. Um, but there's not a ton of data. From what we know on monk fruit sweetener is it does not elicit the same glucose and insulin mm -hmm. response. So that's good. And can it be used pretty much across the board in baking too? It's a little tricky with baking, honestly. Yeah. It's very, very sweet. Mm -hmm. So you use tiny amounts. But for everything else, you know, to put on your cereal. Is that more how uh, you use it? I use it. And I use it in coffee. Oh. Uh, because I like a little sweetness in oh. coffee, so I have have my little uh, tub of that there that I. Yes, use on that. my website I have a recipe for making monk fruit simple syrup, 
that I use uh, to make drinks. Perfect. Why don't we take a break at that point? The new book is, I'm intrigued, The Brain Health Kitchen, Preventing Alzheimer's Through Food. We're so thrilled to have Annie Fenn, MD, sitting in with John and me today live in the kitchen. If you have a question, well, we can take some calls this hour at 636-1350, and one of you will win an autographed copy of the book shortly before noon. Back after this. Sonoma County's News Talk, KSRO, on FM at 103.5 in Santa Rosa and Windsor, and now at 96.9 in Petaluma. Mosquitoes carry the West Nile virus. To keep you and your family safe, here's a few things you can do. Report neglected pools, spas, and water features. Get free mosquito fish from the district office for your outdoor water features, like water troughs, wine barrels, backyard ponds, water features, and other man-made water sources. Rinse and refill your pet's water dish one to two times a week. Your backyard chicken water, too. Store containers upside down. For more information, go to msmosquito.org. Improperly maintained or neglected pools and spas can produce hundreds of thousands of mosquitoes, resulting in neighborhood-wide mosquito problems that can increase the risk of mosquito-borne diseases like West Nile virus. If you have an unmaintained pool or spa or know of one in your community, contact the Marin Sonoma Mosquito and Vector Control District at 707-285-2200 or online at msmosquito.org for help. That's 707-285-2200 or msmosquito.org. Are you paying too much for term life insurance? There's a tremendous price war in the term life industry. Rates have dropped dramatically in the past few years. For example, a man aged 45 non-smoker can get a million dollars of coverage for $75 per month. Level rate for 10 years. Or a man aged 50 non-smoker can obtain $500,000 of coverage for a monthly premium of $110. Level rate for 20 years. That's right, guaranteed level rate for 20 years. If you're a smoker, we have great rates available for you as well. At Term Busters, we specialize in policies of $500,000 and above. If you're looking for a new or replacement term life insurance, call today for a quote. 800-786-9161. You're probably paying more than you should. Call 1-800-786-9161. Remember, 1-800-786-9161. 61. Sample rate quotes based on preferred non-smoker rate class. Exam required to qualify. Hi, this is Allison Norman, host of the Real Estate Hour right here on KSRO. During the past two years, we've experienced a real estate market like nothing we've seen in recent history. As we head into the new year, homes are still selling, but the market is settling. Every year, people need to make a move. They move for work or family, get married, get divorced, have babies, need more space or less space. Loved ones pass and estates are liquidated. No matter the market, selling and buying strategies adjust and houses sell. If this is a year for you to make a move, let's take a look at your specific situation and come up with a plan. If you're thinking of selling, now is a great time to get your house on the market. Give me a call and I'll give you some honest advice and help you find the right strategy for the current market, whether you decide to hire me as your realtor or not. Allison Norman is a realtor with Keller Williams Realty and host of the Real Estate Hour. Sundays at 9 a.m. on KSRO. Make a no-obligation appointment. Call or text 707-799-3617. DRE license number 01720334. I'm KSRO's Daniel Tresios with Sonoma County's most accurate, most dependable forecast. Quarter of an inch of rain for today. High of 57, 55 along the coast. Wind speeds 10 to 15 miles an hour with gusts over 20. Rain and showers expected overnight with chance of thunderstorms low 45 degrees. 
Some showers expected for Sunday, high of 56, 53 along the shores. Sunday night, though, partly cloudy and sunny then for Monday. Depend on weather every 30 minutes. And at that news talk, 103.5 and 96.9, KSRO. KS Arnold Kitchen this morning. I'm Steve Garner along with Chef John Ash. The Good Food Hour welcomes Annie Fenn, MD, to the studio. She's in the kitchen with us live today, which is great. A chance for you to talk with her, ask a question or so. Her new book is The Brain Health Kitchen, Preventing Alzheimer's Through Food. We're delighted to have her join us this morning. And David, you have a question for us this morning. Welcome to the show. What, what, do, you, what do you have on your mind? Well, I, I just wanted to run a few things by Amy. Amy. Amy, I know that your main focus, of course, is uh, how foods, uh, certain foods may relate to, uh, you know, uh, cognitive abilities. But I'm wondering on a side note, if you had any thoughts on, uh, for example, uh, heavy metal mercury toxicity that a lot of seniors have, and how that might affect memory, uh, things like statins, which uh, I think there's a school of thought that a lot of statins uh, can affect uh, memory loss. Uh, and also, if any, which uh, nutritional products uh, you might recommend for uh, cognitive improvement for seniors? All very good questions. Thank you, David. Do you want to tackle heavy metals and statins? And Absolutely. Those Great questions. So first, let's talk about heavy metals. You know, environmental toxins are actually an important contributor to dementia and Alzheimer's in everyone especially older adults, but it's super interesting to put all that in perspective. For example, fish and seafood are one of the brain healthy food groups. And we know based on the MIND diet study that we we're just talking about, that if you eat at least one serving of high quality seafood every week, your risk of Alzheimer's is gonna be less. It basically goes down just because you eat fish and seafood. And now the definitive study on this was done years ago by Dr. Martha Claire Morris. And she asked the question, so, fish has environmental toxins. It has these heavy metals, it has mercury. You know, we're all worried about that stuff that's in the oceans. But people who eat fish actually get less Alzheimer's. So what she showed was she looked at people's brains after they passed away, and she found that even though some seniors had more accumulations of mercury in the brain because their fish intake was higher, they still had less Alzheimer's. So I think the take-home message is it's most important in early stages of life. You know how pregnant women and children and babies, of course, you know, you should be very, very careful about, you know, any kind of exposure because their neuroanatomy is developing so quickly. But older brains, maybe not so much. We may be a little bit more resilient to it. And the next part was uh, statins? Yeah. yeah, people are really confused about statins. You know, doctors love having everyone's LDL, which is like the bad cholesterol, to be as rock bottom low as possible. And the reason for that is it is just such a no-brainer when you look at the studies in cardiovascular research and Alzheimer's research, that the lower your LDL, the lower your risk of having a heart attack, a stroke, or Alzheimer's disease. It is just so clear and not controversial whatsoever. And so whatever way people have to get that down is I'm on board with. 
there was a question about 10 years ago about whether statins contributed to brain fog and some other type of worrisome symptoms. And that, that has been dispelled with later studies. So, but you don't have to be on a statin necessarily to lower your cholesterol. Um, we know that it, it doesn't come from dietary cholesterol that makes your cholesterol go awry. It's really the saturated fat in your diet. And one other question about the supplements that we see flogged mm-hmm. on TV. And this is interesting, jellyfish memory supplement Prevagen, mm-hmm. which you see still advertised mm-hmm. on Jeopardy, is a uh, hoax. All over the place. The, FT- <laughs> the FTC in New York's attorney general charged this company with fraud uh, years ago. Years ago. Yes. And it's still being sold. And Mariam Bialik, when she was... Uh, named one of the co-Jeopardy hosts, she was flogging a product called uh, Nuvira, which uh, turned out to be useless also. Yes, Um, there are no supplements that are proven to reduce your risk of Alzheimer's or other types of dementia. That being said, supplementation can be a smart thing as part of a brain healthy diet and lifestyle. You know, there's not just one thing that's gonna, you know, save our brains. Mm -hmm. It's really, you know, layering on exercise, diet. One of the important things to supplement if you don't eat fish or seafood is to make sure you're getting omega-3 fatty acids like DHA and EPA. That's an important supplement to take. Let's take a quick break and when we come back, let's jump into the cookbook. You have over 100 recipes. Yes. Well, and also lots of tips. Uh, I love your little scientific... uh, The science bites. Science bites, uh, which we'll have to talk about. It's the Brain Health Kitchen, preventing Alzheimer's through food. Annie Fenn, MD, is in our KSRO Kitchen Live this morning with John and Steve. If you have a question or comment, we could take a couple more before noon, 636-1350, and one lucky listener will win an autographed copy of this new book. The Brian Kilmeade Show, tackling the top news stories of the day, be them political, financial, sports, entertainment, or gossip. Weekdays, 9 to noon on KSRO. Dr. Walter Tom, he's always willing to answer your questions. Why local anesthesia for cosmetic breast surgery? I feel, number one, that it's safer. Secondly, your recovery is quicker. And lastly, you have less postoperative discomfort. A true professional with skills beyond the ordinary. Voted Sonoma County's best cosmetic surgeon. That's a common question. Most of my patients following cosmetic breast surgery say that their breasts feel very natural and they like the natural look. One question leads to another and every question is important. There are advantages to saline implants and there are advantages to silicone implants and I'm happy to review these with you. Safety is always a concern. I want to reassure you that we use only FDA approved and the safest breast implants available today. Cosmetic surgeon Dr. Walter Tom. Contact his office today for a free consultation online at drwaltertom.com. drwaltertom.com. This is Michael O'Shea personally inviting you to Malm Fireplace Center, sponsor of the Warriors. I own an Enviro fireplace from Malm. They also stock Regency fireplace products, Yodel, and town and country luxury fireplaces. And Malm is fully stocked with replacement parts. Malm Fireplace Center's family owned since 1960. They build relationships with their customers, and I know that from personal experience. Malm Fireplace Center in Santa Rosa on the web at malmfireplacecenter.com. 
At Exchange Bank, giving back to the community is a part of the legacy inspired by bank co-founder Frank Doyle, a civic and philanthropic leader in Sonoma County and creator of the Doyle Trust, providing scholarships to Santa Rosa Junior College students since 1948. Frank Doyle's community commitment instilled a culture at Exchange Bank that encourages employees to pay it forward, volunteering and showing their commitment to giving back. Exchange Bank, stability, longevity, and commitment to service since 1890. Who doesn't love a quickie? All right, relax, folks. I'm talking about the 20-minute, once-a-week workout from Inform Fitness in Rohnert Park. It's safe and efficient, and it's exercise backed by extensive scientific research. You're busy with work, the kids, your spouse, homework. Where do you find the time to work out? Go to informfitness.com slash Park and sign up for a free workout now. Informfitness.com in Rohnert Park informfitness.com. This is Becky from the North Bay Job Fair on behalf of Amaturo Sonoma Media Group, thanking you for the overwhelming success of January's Job Fair. We had over 500 people and 33 businesses making connections, shaking hands, and getting new jobs. Thank you to everyone who came. And guess what? We're planning on doing it again. We'll let you know all the details right here on the radio. And you can go to NorthBayJobFair.com for more details now. KSRO, AM, FM, and online. Depend on it. are filled at this point uh, for questions for Dr. Annie Fenn. The new book is The Brain Health Kitchen. We'll try to take a few calls and ask our listeners to please limit it to one question for Dr. Mm-hmm. Fenn. The book is loaded with great recipes. John, do you want to call out a few? That well, yeah, as I, as we mentioned, it's, it's organized interestingly. So one chapter is on berries and one's on greens and all of that stuff and then recipes follow but i especially like the leafy greens chapter and uh, nice. uh one of the little science tips that you gave there which i never thought about is that parsley uh is the best way to enhance memory yes yes <laughs> herbs are leafy it's, greens yeah. and it's my wife's favorite yeah. herb she yes. could eat parsley. Every, she does eat it probably every day. And it day. gets no respect. And there's, it's, <laughs> it's also there's so much there's so many nutrients in the stem. So yeah. people pick the leaves off and they throw the stems oh away. Boy. But the stems should be going into the soup pot. Yeah, they should be blended into pesto. All of those things. So you you had a recipe for, uh, which I just love because I'm a big fish eater, pan fried cod with collard greens. Oh, and you do so your good. collard greens in a different way. It isn't stewing them for four and a half hours or something. I do. <laughs> I discovered that it's really good to stir fry collard mm-hmm. greens, and also you know it it doesn't cook out all the nutrients quite so much. So it's nice to know that you can't, you don't have to cook collard greens all day long for yeah, them to be right, good. Right. So this preparation is like a little bit fresher. Uh-huh. 
you know, they're not quite so um, soft. Um, but the crispy cod is sort of my answer to, yes, you can have fish uh-huh. that's crispy and delicious yeah. and has a coating on it, but I like to coat fish with breadcrumbs or nuts or something like that to protect it from the direct heat. We want to cook our fish really gently mm-hmm. uh, because we don't want to lose the nutrients in the fish like the DHA and the EPA or the vitamin D. These are really important brain health nutrients. And I'm glad you mentioned the synergy, I love that word, of citrus and leafy greens. Because yes. we're in the heart of citrus season now. Yes, we are. It's the wonderful citrus season. And you know, I spend a lot of time in Italy, uh, where my family is from, and where I went to culinary school. And you know, when you go to Mediterranean countries, they use the whole fruit. They don't throw away the peel. And I really feel like that's part of a, a tradition that is good for the brain and longevity because there are so many flavonoids in the peel that we should be consuming. We shouldn't be throwing them away. From Healdsburg, Colleen, welcome to the Good Food Hour with John and Steve and special guest Ann Fendi. You have a question or comment for the doctor? A little both. Um, for anyone who does like their coffee a little sweetened, um, a little maple syrup is a great way to get the sweetening plus the minerals. And uh, the question is, uh, before gluten-free was a thing, I noticed uh, after having pancakes with syrup that I would just want to take a nap. So I'm wondering if um, brain fog um, from from gluten um, relates to Alzheimer's. And then there's also a myth about oats being uh, gluten-free. And I'm just wondering if you um, have some definitive information on that. So comment and question about gluten, how that might play into dementia or Alzheimer's and or car, excess carbohydrates. And that was she's talking about taking right. a nap after eating pancakes. Mm. That's kind of the carb. Right. I'm so glad you brought up gluten because there's a lot of confusion around gluten in our diets. And I think it's because 10 years ago it became very much in vogue for people to go on gluten free diets because they thought they were good, you know, healthy for all sorts of things, for metabolic health, you know, for cardiovascular health, for weight loss. But the truth is gluten itself does not, is not detrimental for brain health. Unless of course you have celiac disease, which is less than 1% of the population, or you have a sensitivity or an allergy to it, which is under 3% of the population. So there is a small percentage of people that should not eat anything with gluten, which is not one thing, it's really a family of proteins. But for everyone else, gluten is not the enemy. The enemy really is processed grains, like the things that you get in ultra-processed foods that include white flour, all-purpose flour. Um, These foods are devoid of nutrients. You know, the grains have no vitamin E whatsoever. They have no fiber. And so what I like to do in the book is, I have lots of gluten-free recipes for those who can't eat gluten, but I also like to use flours that are nutrient-dense and really delicious. Like almond flour is an incredibly delicious thing to cook with. So is hazelnut flour, so is oat flour, um, you know, so is buckwheat. You know, these may be gluten-free, but that's not necessarily why I choose to cook with them. It's because they're better for you flours. Thank you so much for the call, Colleen. Let's move back to Santa Rosa. April, do you have a question for Dr. Fenn or a comment? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Yes, I do. And this is a wonderful, wonderful topic that I'm sure pertains to a lot of people. First off, I want to say hi to John, who I worked with a million years ago at the Dega Harbor. Ah, really? Um, <laughs> Boy, that was, a mil- that was a million years ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a million years, but who's counting? Anyway, so I, do, I have high cholesterol, and then when I tuned in, I heard her say, that uh, what we have to be uh, aware and careful of is fats. 
But I, I have been eating a lot of nuts rather than so much meat, and I'm wondering if the fat in nuts is a problem because I've heard otherwise. Oh, such a good question. So we're talking about brain-friendly fats. This is how I like to think of it. So the brain-healthy diet is not low-fat. Okay, we know based on data and a lot of experimentation that happened in the U.S. in the last couple decades that a low-fat diet is not good for you. A low-fat diet actually increases your risk of heart attack and stroke. Okay, but a healthy diet that includes brain-friendly fats can reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease and brain diseases like Alzheimer's. Now, nuts, for example, are a great example. They are rich in monounsaturated fats. This is the type of fat that the brain-healthy diet should be full of mostly monounsaturated fats, some polyunsaturated fats, like you get from fish or seafood, and then very, very few um, servings of saturated fat, really like less than 8%, 5% saturated fat. Mm. Now, when you switch to this fat profile of a brain-healthy diet, which is nuts and seeds and you know high-quality fish and seafood, avocado, extra virgin olive oil, olives, all of these things in your diet, you're basically... Um, creating a lot of fuel for the brain, and it's also anti-inflammatory rather than inciting inflammation in the brain. So nuts, thumbs nuts, up? Nuts, thumbs up. Okay, thanks for the call, April. So you, Thank you. you had a, there's a little box in here that talks about red meat. Yes. Uh, and so what? so what's the story in there? Well, there's a couple things we can say about uh, meat for sure, yeah. and the data is not at all very clear. But all the brain-protective diets that have been proven to prevent Alzheimer's are primarily plant-based. And by that I mean, you know, you're looking at my pyramid. The bottom of the pyramid is mostly those, those food groups, mm-hmm. the leafy greens, the vegetables, the legumes, the nuts and seeds, the whole grains. Um, and at the very top are the animal products like meat, dairy, and, um, and chicken. Right. So what we do know is that you can consume some meat if your overall dietary pattern is overall brain healthy. Um, but we know that there's a link between processed meat and the risk of dementia. A study actually just came out um, last month out of Brazil that was very well done. And they looked at people who eat ultra-processed food. And if they were to take 10% of the ultra-processed food out of their diet and switch it up with something more whole food, then they could reduce their dementia risk by as much as a third. And the most important ultra-processed foods to get rid of were the processed dairy and the processed meat. Now, we know what processed meat is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's like a Slim Jim. It's bacon. It's a lot of sausage. It's like these artificial meat products. Well, and also, unfortunately, charcuterie of all kinds. And charcuterie, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. Let's take one more call because we're just about out of time. Diana, welcome to Garden Talk, Good Food Hour, everything this morning at KSRO with Dr. Annie Fenn. Hi. Hi. Thank you very much. Can you hear me? Sure. Okay, great. Um, I came in a little bit late. This subject may have already been covered. Um, and I know you're focusing on brain health and dementia. Uh, I had a question basically about diet in general. I have been overweight my whole life. I'm nearing 50 years old. I've been on a number of different diets, the Mediterranean, the DASH, the Weight Watchers, the, you name it, I've, I've done it. I am at a weight now where it would be technically considered obese, uh, 205 pounds for a woman. Um, but I have been at this weight now for about a year, and I've been eating primarily a vegetarian diet, 
virtually very, very little meat, but I do eat the, the dairy products, cottage cheese, yogurt, kefir, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are about um, a set point for weight, because I don't seem to be able to lose any more weight that I'm not gaining, and I feel overall pretty healthy. Oh, that must be so frustrating. Um, first of all, I'm not an expert on um, weight reduction. It sounds like you're doing a lot of the right things. I think you're on the right path if you want to cut out dairy and some foods that are higher in saturated fats, because they tend to be very calorie dense as well. Um, but the other piece of the, of the equation is whether or not you can get enough exercise. And it actually pertains to our discussion with brain health and Alzheimer's risk in general. You know, exercise is equally as important as consuming a brain-healthy diet in terms of reducing the risk of Alzheimer's later in life. Okay. Got it. Thank you very much for the question, Diana. We can't take any more calls at this point. John, do you want to grab a couple more recipes before we give away a book? Yeah. Well, I, I do. I was fascinated with you have a chapter on drinks uh, and specifically the coffee tea thing. And uh, there seems to be a lot of, uh, I don't know, conflicting <laughs> comments yes. about about especially about coffee so what so can i drink coffee yes <laughs> please drink coffee coffee is the most common antioxidant rich beverage in the world mm. and we have really fabulous long-term data from other countries that show that coffee drinking cultures have enhanced longevity they have a decreased risk of dying from anything they also have less dementia but they drink coffee differently in countries besides the U.S. You know, they're not putting processed dairy in their coffee. They're not putting a lot of sugar in their coffee. They're basically drinking coffee mm -hmm. black as espresso or as drip coffee. And that is the brain-healthy way to consume it. Now, if you have to have some sort of sweetener, you know, we talked about stevia. We mm -hmm. talked about uh, monk fruit. If you have to have some sort of milk, I would recommend a plant milk. The dairy products actually bind up the antioxidants. So when you're going to get like what you think might be a good for you coffee beverage, but if it has dairy in it, you're not getting all the antioxidants you could get. Mm. Just a quick email question. Hi, Steve, Gwen, and doctor. Good morning. Is this monk fruit a plant that we can grow locally in Sonoma <laughs> County? Or is it a plant that is grown in monoculture with chemicals? I don't know the answer to that. You can probably grow it here. You can grow anything here, right? Yeah, well, pretty much. Mm. But monk fruit is like a humongous mm. fruit. It's like the, like larger than a football. And it comes from Asia. Yeah. I it, believe it's from China, but I could be wrong on tropical. that. And it's tropical. And it's tropical. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess not. So move to Palm Springs. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's you, right. You can that's grow right. it there. Uh, we're down to about uh, the last minute, John. Anything you want to add before we give away a cookbook? Um, well... One of your science bites, you know, I love those all the way through the book because they're, they're great. And it was in that uh, coffee, tea, and other drinks thing, is apple cider. Growing up as a kid, my grandmother every morning made me take a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. Apple cider vinegar is the... Yes. Is, the, it, it, is that legit? We're just going to have yes to say yes no. or no. Yes and no. Then, <laughs> would you give us your favorite number today between 1 and 12, Dr. Finn? Nine. Call at number nine at 636-1350. We'll win an autographed copy of the new book, The Brain Health Kitchen, Preventing Alzheimer's Through Food by Annie Fenn, MD. Look for it. It's packed with so much mm -hmm. that we couldn't get to in this hour. Thanks so much for coming in today. Oh, thanks for having me. This has been fun. Great. Well, we hope you come back to Sonoma County sometime. When you do, the door is always open. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Thanks. Stick around. News is coming up next. I'm Steve Garner for Chef John Ash in the Chaos Ardo Kitchen. We will talk again next week. <laughs>